In 1 Thessalonians 4, verses 13 through 14, the Apostle Paul writes the following to the church in Thessalonica. We do not want you to be uninformed, brothers, concerning those who are asleep, so that you will not grieve like the rest who have no hope. Since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, in the same way, God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep through Jesus. Today on the Tove Podcast, we take a look at the hope and comfort of Paul. That is, the rapture of the church. listening to the Tove Podcast. Well, welcome to the Tove Podcast. It was uh, nice to have a break of a few weeks of uh, recording and editing and publishing these podcasts, but it is nice to be back with you. Thank you to those of you who have sent uh, messages of encouragement, and uh, just to let me know that you've been listening to the Tove Podcast, and uh, thanks to those of you especially who've shared that uh, you've been blessed. Well, today on the podcast, I want to take a look at the hope and comfort of Paul, and that is the rapture. So we're going to be taking a look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 13 through the end of that chapter, and then on into chapter 5 through about verse 11 or so. So to begin with, when it comes to the book of Thessalonians, we ask ourselves what was happening in Thessalonica when Paul wrote this letter. We estimate that this was written around 50 A.D., We know that Paul had made a prior visit to these believers. We see that in chapter 1, verses 5 and 6, as well as in chapter 2. So he'd been to visit this church before. We also know that this church was dealing with persecution. We see this in chapter 1, verse 6, when Paul says that in spite of severe persecution, you welcomed the message with joy from the Holy Spirit. And then persecution is mentioned again in chapter 3, verses 1 to 5. But there are some specific concerns that Paul wants to address in 1 Thessalonians. You see, it appears that uh, some members of the congregation there, some believers, were believing some error. People were wondering about their friends and loved ones who had already left this earth. So Paul writes the specific section, And he writes it to provide comfort and hope for the church in Thessalonica. And of course, by extension, you and I, reading this passage today, can also be comforted, especially about the loved ones that knew the Lord that have preceded us in death. But also, we can experience comfort, and we can experience hope as we look forward to the rapture. Let's start with verse 13 of chapter 4. It says this, quote, We do not want you to be uninformed. So Paul, writing here to believers, does not want them to be unaware. 
Paul does not want them to be ignorant of what he's about to say. He says, concerning those who are asleep. Now, on three separate occasions here, in verse 13, 14, and 15, Paul is going to use the euphemism of sleep in reference to a believer's death. It's important to understand. He only uses this term sleep when referring to dead believers. He does not use the term sleep when referring to unbelievers that have died. So, Paul says, we do not want you to be uninformed, brothers, concerning those who are asleep, concerning those believers that have gone to be with the Lord, concerning those believers that have already left us, concerning those believers who have breathed their last. Why doesn't Paul want us to be uninformed? Well, so that you will not grieve like the rest who have no hope. You see, Paul knows that if you are a believer and you die in the Lord, you're in a much better place. You are with the Lord in spirit, even if your body has remained behind. And for those of us who have loved ones that knew the Lord and are no longer with us, this is of great comfort. Our loved ones that knew the Lord are not simply rotting away as captives in their coffins. Rather, they are absent from the body and present with the Lord. They are experiencing joy and peace in the Lord's presence. (laughs) In a nutshell, they're in a much better position than you or I. In verse 14, Paul says, Since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, and right there, uh, the we there, uh, Paul is in reference to his fellow believers. That's what believers believe, that Jesus died and that he rose again. Paul says in the same way, God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep. There it is again, that euphemism for death. God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep through Jesus. Paul's point is that Christians can be comforted upon the death of fellow believers. Unlike the rest of the world, by the way, that does not have the hope of eternity with the Lord. You know, to be honest, the rest of the world is confused about death. The world has no idea, no unified belief system on what happens after death. Much of the world thinks that if you're a good person, you'll end up somewhere good. But it's not really based on anything concrete. It's more of wishful thinking for the world. Rather, the church, those people who confess Jesus as the Messiah, those people who have placed their hope in the Messiah, we have a unified view of life after death because that view is given to us by the Word of God. Now, in verse 14, notice Paul says, In the same way God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep through Jesus. Interesting. So we know that when a believer departs this earth, they go to be with the Lord. They're in his presence. Their spirit is with the Lord. And it appears that at a time in the future, the Lord is going to return and bring those same people with him. That's what it says there in verse 14. God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep through Jesus. 
Verse 15, Paul says, For we say this to you by a revelation from the Lord. We who are still alive at the Lord's coming will certainly have no advantage over those who have fallen asleep. Now, Paul's teaching here that those alive at the Lord's coming, the Lord's coming in this case refers to the rapture. Those alive at that time will have no advantage over those who have already passed. Notice, Paul includes himself here and says, we who are still alive. Interesting. So Paul thought there was a chance that he would still be alive when the Lord came. In my estimation, this is because Paul believed the rapture was imminent. Imminent meaning it could happen at any moment. There's no event that needs to take place for the rapture to occur. There's no event that needs to happen that precedes the rapture. It could happen at any moment. That's why Paul includes himself, saying, We who are still alive at the Lord's coming will have no advantage over those who are brought back with the Lord when the rapture occurs. Now, in verse 16 here, Paul's going to list a couple sounds that are going to occur at the time of the rapture. He says this, For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout. There's one sound. With the archangel's voice and with the trumpet of God. There's the other sound. And the dead in Christ will rise first. So we see here that the Lord Jesus descends from heaven. The dead in Christ, or those who are sleeping, will rise first. Clearly, Paul views believers who have passed as both being with the Lord and rising or resurrecting. How can this be? Well, it's pretty simple. Because those believers that have died, their spirits, their souls are with the Lord. And yet their bodies, as we know, their shells, their vehicles remain here on earth. By the way, if you're interested in learning more about the believer and death and what happens after death, I'd encourage you to listen to a couple different previous episodes of the Tove podcast. One of them is entitled, What Happens Directly After Death? And the other one is called, The Unseen Dead, Where Are They? You can find these episodes and other popular Bible topics at lifeandmessiah.org. Just click on the Tove podcast link at the top of the page. So we see Paul teaching that the resurrection of the body and the reunion of the soul occurs at the rapture. The Moody Bible Commentary informs us that, quote, the word rapture is based on the Latin translation of this passage, which uses a form of the Latin verb rapio, which means to seize or to carry off violently. It is this term that is used to translate the Greek term harpazo. That's the verb that Paul uses in verse 17. So, let me just briefly take you through the translation process here. In the original Greek is the word harpazo. This is a verb. That original Greek was translated into Latin, and that is also translated correctly into a verb, and that Latin word is Rapio. So the original Greek, harpazo, translated into the Latin, rapio. That then 
is translated into our English word rapture, which is also a verb. Our Bible translations, though, typically don't use this word rapture. Typically, they use the phrase caught up. So, is the English word rapture in your Bible? No, absolutely not. But neither is the word trinity. And yet, I still believe in the threefold person of the Godhead. In verse 17, Paul teaches that we who are still alive will be caught up together with them, that's the dead in Christ, in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so we will always be with the Lord. Paul says, we who are still alive. See, again, he's viewing the rapture as imminent. He says that believers who are still alive will be raptured or caught up to meet the Lord in the air. Verse 18, Paul says, encourage one another with these words. You see, Paul's teaching is meant to encourage the believers in Thessalonica, and by extension, us, because we've not missed anything. We've not missed the rapture. It's coming. And we can be comforted concerning our deceased friends and loved ones who knew the Lord. Because not only are they with the Lord presently, but they will return with the Lord in the future, and we will be together with them as we meet the Lord in the air. The rapture is Paul's comfort and his hope. And when we come back, we'll continue our study of the rapture and the day of the Lord as we enter into 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. Since 1887, Life in Messiah has helped Christians understand the Jewish roots of our faith and God's ongoing commitment to His people. We teach that anti-Semitism is inconsistent with biblical faith and we pray for the peace of Jerusalem, which includes her spiritual renewal as well as physical safety. In all we do, our priority is to share the gospel message. Connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, or at lifeinmessiah.org. That's lifeinmessiah.org. Welcome back to the Tove Podcast. Today we are studying the hope and comfort of Paul, which is the rapture. And Paul writes about this event to encourage, to comfort, and to correct the doctrine of some believers living in Thessalonica around 50 A.D. or so. Paul continues his discussion in chapter 5. Now, he is going to address the timing of the event at hand, the catching up of the church. He says this, about the times and the seasons, brothers. You don't need anything to be written to you. For you yourselves know very well that the day of the Lord will come just like a thief in the night. Paul says, this day of the Lord will come as a surprise to some, namely, those in the dark. He says in verse 2, you yourselves know very well that the day of the Lord will come just like a thief in the night. Why will that day not come as a surprise to believers, though? Well, because they're supposed to be expecting it. We've been told about it. Verse 3, Paul says, when they, likely speaking of the world here, When they say peace and security, 
Then sudden destruction comes on them, like labor pains come on a pregnant woman, and they will not escape. Now, it should be noted uh, that Paul here is using a reference to labor pains of a pregnant woman. Jesus used the same illustration when he spoke about these troublesome days. You see, it appears people are going to be talking of peace and security. Now, it's unlikely that people would be talking about peace and security during the time of God's wrath, don't you think? Rather, this time of peace and security, this rapture, will happen before the time of great wrath, before the tribulation period as described in detail in the book of Revelation. It's more likely there's going to be some sort of a false peace before the time of great tribulation. And we are not to believe the world, brothers and sisters. The world does not know the truth. The world is walking in darkness. The world has no idea about the mind of God, about the Spirit of God. But if you've placed your faith in Jesus, you are not of the world. You are to be living and walking in the light. You are to look to the light of the world. More and more, my my heart breaks for believers who are caught up in the world. The world speaks with its various authorities of all kinds. And more and more, I see believers just believing whatever these so-called authorities say. The world is cunning. It's conniving. It's murderous. It's idolatrous. The world does not have your best interest in mind. So we must test the spirits to see whether they are from God or not. Instead of just wholeheartedly diving into what the so-called experts of this world are saying, stop a moment. Bring it before the Lord and say, Lord, there is an overwhelming voice of the world that I am hearing, but what is your voice saying to me? What does your word say about this? And then we must have the boldness. We must have the courage. We must have the wisdom to follow wherever it is the Spirit of God is leading us, whatever it is he's leading us to do, and not shrink back like those who have no hope. Not shrink back like those who think this is the only life. We are told in the Scriptures that the Spirit of the Antichrist is already here, active among us. We are to be guarding against those influences. Paul says here that the world is going to be caught off guard by the rapture. The world is going to be surprised despite the event of the rapture being proclaimed in the number one bestseller of all time, the Bible. The world walks in the darkness. Do not believe the world or the lies of the world. The day of the Lord will come as a surprise to some those who walk in the dark. But it is not to be a surprise for believers. We're to be expecting it. It's imminent. It could happen at any moment. And just when the world is talking about peace and security and all the other false ideas that they'll be believing, the rapture will happen and this world will be thrown into the time of wrath that it has never experienced before. Thankfully, if you're a believer in Jesus, you'll be rescued from that time. Verse 4, Paul tells us, But you, brothers, are not in the dark for this day to overtake you like a thief. We'll share with the world. Boy, do we desire that the world come to the light, that none should perish, 
but don't put on the clothing of the world. Verses 5 and 6, Paul says, For you, believers, brothers and sisters, he's speaking to the church, for you are all sons of light and sons of the day. We do not belong to the night or the darkness. So then, we must not sleep like the rest, but we must stay awake and be serious. Here, Paul uses the term sleep in a different kind of way. It's those who are sleeping, those who are spiritually dead, those who are not concerned about the Lord's coming. But Paul says we believers must stay awake, be alert, and be serious about the Lord's coming. He says in verse 7, those who sleep, sleep at night, and those who get drunk, get drunk at night. But since we belong to the day, we must be serious and put on the armor of faith and love on our chests and put on a helmet of the hope of salvation. Verse 9, for God did not appoint us, the church, to wrath. When Jesus willingly went to the cross, he took all of the wrath upon himself. And if you believe in the Lord Jesus, you are not under condemnation. You are not under God's wrath. This is just another reason why we know that believers will not experience God's wrath. We will not be around for the tribulation period. God's not a wife beater. He's not going to beat his church. He's not going to beat his bride. He rescues them from the coming wrath. That's what it says here in verse 9. For God did not appoint us to wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 10, who died for us, so that whether we are awake or asleep, in other words, whether we are living or whether we have died and gone to be with him and left our earthly bodies behind, we will live together with him. Paul says again, therefore, encourage one another. Build each other up, as you're already doing. I think it would be wise for teachers in the church. This is just my opinion. Take it or leave it. We would be wise not to neglect teachings about the end times. They are in the Bible for a reason. They're in the Bible to provide us hope, in the Bible to provide us comfort, encouragement, in the Bible to provide us a view, a glimpse of what's coming so that we can be ready for it, both the good times and the bad. Yet, in my own opinion, far too many of us today are neglecting the study of prophecy. Far too many of our teachers today are neglecting the full counsel of God's Word. On that note, I just want to point out something here. There is a difference between the event of the rapture and the Lord's return, the Lord's second coming, when he establishes his kingdom. This difference can clearly be seen by comparing descriptions of the two events. A quick comparison shows us there must be two different events. They cannot be conflated. Otherwise, we run the risk of confusion, and we don't want that. You see, there's an event described in Matthew chapter 24, verses 29 to 31. Let's read this event described in Matthew 24, 29 to 31. It says this, Immediately after the tribulation of those days. The sun will be darkened and the moon will not shed its light. The stars will fall from the sky and the celestial powers will be shaken. 
Verse 30. Then the sign of the Son of Man will appear in the sky, and then all the peoples of the earth will mourn. And they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. He will send out his angels with a loud trumpet, and they will gather his elect from the four winds, from one end of the sky to the other. You see, here it is the Lord himself who comes to take his own to himself. You see, in the passage we've been studying today in 1 Thessalonians, it's the Lord himself who comes to take the church, his own, to himself above the clouds in the air. But in Matthew 24, 31, it's the task of angels that God has chosen to carry out the function. Let me read that again in verse 31. He will send out his angels with a loud trumpet, and they will gather his elect from the four winds. From one end of the sky to the other. You see, in one passage, it's the Lord who's coming, and then believers are going up to meet the Lord in the air. In the other passage, this one, Matthew chapter 24, which is talking about the end of the tribulation period, it's the task of the angels to do so. But there are other texts that make these two different events very different indeed. In Joel chapter 2, Zechariah chapter 14, Revelation chapter 19, there are significant differences between the two events. Here he comes in the air, but if you read Zechariah chapter 14, verses 1 and 5, he doesn't come in the air. He comes and he steps foot on the Mount of Olives. You see, the rapture precedes the tribulation, the coming of the Messiah, the physical coming of the Messiah to establish his kingdom sets foot on the earth, does battle with Israel's enemies, as we've talked about many times before on the Tove podcast. That happens after the period of God's wrath. When Israel finally, after undergoing so many terrible things in the tribulation period, that's why it's called the period of Jacob's trouble. They finally look up and say, Baruch haba b'shem Adonai. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And that's when Jesus responds to Israel's welcoming of him. And he comes and steps foot on the Mount of Olives, just as Jesus predicted in Luke chapter 13, when he looked out over Jerusalem and expressed his desire that they be saved, but said that at this time they were not willing, but in the future he would return to them, he would come back to them, they would see him again when they welcomed him. So what's some application for us as we wind down today's podcast? Number one, be comforted. Many of us have lost loved ones over the past several years. Paul says, those loved ones we've lost that knew the Lord, we can be comforted because we'll see them again. We can be comforted that they're in a much better place right now. They are with the Lord And they are awaiting the resurrection of their bodies when their souls and their new bodies will be unified once again. Take comfort. Our loved ones who knew the Lord are pain-free, worry-free, COVID-free, and most importantly, sin-free. They're enjoying the presence of the one who made them, who loved them, and who brought them home. And they'll be back again. And we'll see them again. Number two, be encouraged. You see, Paul desired the believers, the brothers and sisters in Thessalonica, 
to be expectantly awaiting the return of the Lord. They had not missed it, and neither have we, and neither have those who have gone before us. Keeping in mind the Lord's soon return, keeping in mind the rapture does a couple things for us. It helps to ensure that we keep a proper perspective on this life and the one to come. This life is just a flash that's here for a second and then gone. This life is a mist that vanishes. This life is simply almost nothing when it comes to time compared to eternity. It also helps to ensure we live a holy life, knowing that the trump could sound at any moment. I don't think we want to be caught up in sin when that happens. It also helps to ensure that we have a sense of urgency for others to come to faith. It creates in us a sense of urgency to share with others, to love others to the Lord, to support missions, which are all about bringing people to the Lord, showing the love of God in tangible ways, sharing the gospel. In conclusion, and finally, Keeping in mind that the rapture could occur at any moment helps us to be watchful and alert. Jesus graciously gave us signs that pretend to his coming. He provides us with events that will happen in the Great Tribulation period. We would be wise to keep our eyes and our ears open as we are one day closer today than we were yesterday. His return is imminent. Well, thanks so much for joining us for this edition of the Tove Podcast. If you found this particular episode helpful, chances are your friends or neighbors might as well. If you'd like to listen to previous episodes of the Tove Podcast, you can find all episodes on Spotify, iTunes, the Life and Messiah website, or anywhere else you get your podcasts. Until next time, Shalom.